This is the Education Gadfly Show. Maybe there's some online schools that have proms. I just don't know. Uh, Did they do that? Virtual prom? You mean a message board? (laughs) What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host for the week, the Red Gerard and Chloe Kim of Education Reform, Brandon Wright and Alyssa Schwenk. Yay, Olympics! Woo! Go Team USA! I don't know who the former person is, but I randomly caught the first run of Chloe Kim's. It's yeah. maybe the, the so only cool. 20 minutes of the Olympics I've seen. You are an Olympics Grinch. And it was a very, very impressive run. Uh, and uh, An impressive run. You, 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 you that's make a casual sound like, understatement you know, for what just uh, transpired. She, she does... Turn flips she and flips twists and does and things. I mean, kill herself. They all flip. They, they all flip. Her flips are just better. Yeah, and higher and yes. cleaner. And so she lands. I used to snowboard when I was in high school. Not really? like that, but sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> now, well, that would make you the terrifying thing about both of them, though. Red Gerard and Chloe yes. Kim. They were born after the year two thousand. Yeah, they're both seventeen. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. And like, nope. uh, now Red, I understand, tying this in with education, uh, is an online education student. I'm not sure which virtual school he might be uh, attending. I do not think that is the case with Chloe. There was talk about her going back home and going. wearing the medal to prom or something like that. I'm not sure, actually, but it would not surprise me that he's taking online classes yeah. to accommodate actually, that type I of training. Careful, like maybe there's fit. some online schools that have proms. I just don't know. Uh, uh-huh. Do they do that? Virtual prom? Yeah. You mean a message board? <laughs> online schools do seem like a great fit for somebody like an athlete who, during their teenage years, is spending yeah. so much time Right. In different places, competing and training. and Yeah, there's and, a whole... And according to new reporting this week, a terrible fit for almost everybody else. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so, why the silence? Well, that's why I mentioned <laughs> the athlete thing. That's why I mentioned the athlete So, thing, hey, you know? it's an all Fordham podcast. We haven't no, done no, this in a while, guys. I'm not generally a fan of online education, but it seems like it'd be a good fit for people like yes, yes, world-class yes, athletes. That, that is true. And and to be clear, look, uh, you know, the, the, the online education thing is, is confusing. It's so hard to study this thing. These virtual schools, it turns out, has lots of kids bouncing in and out, a lot of kids who have all kinds of issues and challenges, and so it's hard to figure out, but sure looks like most of those schools are just performing terribly. And uh, we have yet another uh, article this week. This one was from NPR's Anya mm-hmm. Kovanets, uh, you know, about this. Seems like at least once a week, uh, the online schools get it was up such... and, and probably deserve it. It was a very expansive thorough article it was very interesting about the inside look at the politics behind yeah this. i haven't read it yet i do other things too <laughs> all right well hey we're already talking ed reform because we right. couldn't even banter about the olympics for more than a minute but hey i Nerds. will say i've been trying to get the patrilli boys into it they're they're mildly into it but not that as into it as like, i'm into even it. like snowboarding like i feel like yeah, snowboarding and they didn't they just go they didn't go skiing you took them they to a did beach not go instead. skiing because it was so cold that we went yeah. out and went to skiing's easier and safer to start with than snowboarding i hit my head so many times and i was a stupid teenage boy and did not wear a helmet yeah probably got concussions Uh, i don't know i'm a total i loved ice skating but i've I skated like three times in my life and it's always you know what they they do like this again an, an age thing with the screens they they really like the 538 app where you take a quiz and it tells you which winter athlete kind of winter athlete you should be and they got uh let's see leandro bobsled okay that uh, looks terrifying <laughs> yes and uh and uh, and nico gosh oh no what was it oh nico i'm so sorry i'm trying to remember I'll, I'll think of it later. Let's hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, he usually doesn't. <laughs> okay. Hey, 
enough of that. Let's do Ed Reform Update. <laughs> Okay, everybody, uh, in the news this week and this month, high school graduation rates. There's been a big scandal here in Washington, D.C., as we know, started at Ballou High School, where it turned out uh, the local NPR station did some great reporting, found out there were a whole bunch of kids who had missed a whole bunch of class and still ended up graduating. Uh, There's now been some deep dives into the system as a whole, and it looks like, what, maybe something like a third of kids who graduated last year uh, may not have met the requirements. Lots of questions, again, about attendance, but also credit recovery, something we've been concerned about here for a long time. Uh, And now this week, our own Brandon Wright is out arguing that, hey, this is actually much more widespread than D.C. Uh, of course, others have started to say this. A great piece by Erica Green, the New York Times, pointing to some examples of that. Uh, and and we suspect that if, if more reporters in more places dug in, uh, we would find this happening almost everywhere. Why is that? And what is causing this, people? So the D.C. audit found essentially two big causes. One is that uh, the officials in D.C. public schools had a lot of pressure to uh, to progress kids through grades and then graduate them. Yep. And on top of that, right, they very understandably had a lot of empathy for the disadvantages that so many of these public school kids face and will face, especially if they don't get a diploma. So these sort of... Hmm, sounds like the soft bigotry of low expectations to me, Brandon. No, no, I... I and it... it it makes all of this a very interesting moral question, but aside from that, those two big causes yeah. are essentially present everywhere, especially in our cities. So if you find it in D.C. and Prince George's County, which is a county that borders um, us, uh, and you find it in Texas and Maryland and New Hampshire and Minnesota, et cetera, et cetera, you're probably going to find it everywhere, right? Yeah. And and it relates to this national policy. It started mm-hmm. way back in, in the 2000s under No Child Left Behind, some regulations, market spellings put out that cleaned up the way states had to report graduation mm-hmm. rates that made those that reporting more honest, but also said that state accountability systems had to hold high schools accountable for boosting graduation rates, had to set these ambitious targets. Uh, We've seen the graduation rates rise uh, accordingly, but now the worry is Mm -hmm. that you've got a bunch of kids who basically come into ninth grade way behind Mm -hmm. and the schools are told you got to do whatever it takes to graduate these kids. We want to believe that the whatever it takes means actually getting them up to the standard, but it looks like Mm -hmm. in some places instead, it's about playing games. I mean, I think the thing that is easy to forget in Wonkland, where we normally, the sandbox that we all normally play in, is particularly in high school, educating kids who are coming in with a lot of the factors that kids in a lot of cities are coming into is hard, point blank period. And that's, I think, something to keep in mind is... What we're seeing is a lot of people responding to a lot of pressure on the system without a lot, no, without necessarily a ton of empathy for how we get them there. So I think focusing on implementation, focusing on meaningful credit recovery is a stronger place to focus our interest now than kind of dissecting where there might be more scandals. Well, I would I would say differently. I would turn the I would I, I would take those those fingers that are pointing right mm-hmm. now at say the DC public schools or others and I would turn that finger around and point it back at ourselves oh, as policy wonks, right? Yeah. We did this. We did it. Oops, we did it again. Right. We did this with proficiency rates and with adequate yearly progress. And now we did with grad Mm -hmm. rates is that we basically said to schools, you have to meet these utopian targets. Uh, 
And if you don't, bad things will happen. And so what happens? Well, they end up cheating uh, and we blame them for it. So we got to take some responsibility here, people. Mm -hmm. I mean, graduation rates are just as bad as proficiency rates. They do not uh, account for what's under the control of the school. And Uh, they they don't have any way of looking at growth. They say, Regardless, even if all your, you know, all your freshmen are coming in three grade levels behind, four years later, we expect you to graduate them on time uh, and meeting the standards. And guess what? Uh, I think that's reasonable to say that that is an impossible task. And so when school districts turn around and turn that into real live uh, accountability systems for the people that work in those schools, uh, some of those people are going to crack and they're going to say, if you really want those rates to look this good, uh, then we're going to play games. That the, Clearly, that must be what you're asking us to do here. And why I think you actually have to do find it in more places, which will be hard for all these places in which it exists, is if you don't prove that it's in every big city, every state, some version of this, then people can just point to D.C. or El Paso as outliers and and say it's it's not a big problem, but it is a big problem. And the fix isn't essentially just trying to get more kids to graduate. In my opinion, it's this is a symptom of the way we think about high school being broken. Mm-hmm. High school essentially needs to be overhauled. We need to rethink mm-hmm. what the purpose of high school mm-hmm. is for different kids. And if we sort of better if we change high school to better fit the kids who are attending and the jobs that they will have afterwards and the skills they need for those jobs, then this graduation rate problem will go away because it won't, we won't be measuring the same thing as we are now if we overall high school. Right. And to be clear, I'm not arguing for less transparency. I'm arguing for less of a witch hunt around these people did wrong X, Y, Z. And it's more of a like, let's focus on what we need to fix because I think we can all acknowledge that something is broken. So I do like the focus on like, how are we going to be realistic and create meaningful and rigorous high schools that are also honest about where students are for both parents and teachers, but also for students and the community at large. Yeah, and, sure. and again, how to think, what, what is the analogy to student growth when we think about that for test scores uh, to take into account mm-hmm. where kids are starting uh, and hold schools accountable for making progress, helping them make progress, but not expecting them to work miracles. Uh, what's the similar thing we can think about when it comes to graduation rates? Uh, and we haven't figured that out. And it's having real problems. And again, it's blame on us policy wonks. Yeah. This was another case where you can blame the policy people, not the practitioners. Uh, finally, uh, freestyle skiing was what <laughs> they got uh, on the 538. That is fun. and that I could, is- Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would feel better about him watch, doing freestyle styles skiing than I would about him playing tackle football. So maybe we'll, we'll <laughs> which I think that. says a lot of bad things about tackle football. Wow, <laughs> because freestyle skiing is wild. Yes. All right, guys. Hey, good discussion. That's all the time we got for this week. Now it is everyone's favorite Amber's research minute. Amber, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. And have you been watching the Olympics? Of course. Oh, see, good. the other wow. people care about the Olympics. I know. I, wow, the seventeen-year-old who won the snowboarding so who did like good. Five. the girl Chloe or the boy? The air, the, there were oh, two oh, seventeen-year-olds. Oh, I was the boy. This, oh, I missed the girl. Red, Red and Chloe. Yes. Red. Yes. yes. That was sorry. It'd be cute if they dated. Amazing. 
<laughs> Are you like shipping them? Now? I don't know, or maybe I can't even like say that these <laughs> days. The, Who knows with gender right, identity, et cetera, et cetera. And the triple sow, cow, whatever that um, thing is on the on the yeah, ice, right? Yeah, yeah. Triple axle, triple axle, yep. sow, yes. cow, axle, whatever. That They're thing both spins is. or jumps. They're not spins. spins. I got corrected. Okay. They're jumps. All right. It was pretty dark. But what yeah. about the loser? Did you see the loser guy? I did. I saw him. My husband's like, "Pow! Well, that guy's really overweight." I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> He's just all muscle. He's such a great. He seemed like a nice guy." He's, he's he did. And those, yeah. I think, the like, what are they called? Like the shoot sports, like luge and skeleton yeah. bobsled yeah, are the ones that just right. like do not sign me up for. Right. And what's really? the one where they so scoot scary. the thing down the thing with the broomstick? Oh, man. My, is that a sport? It drives me nuts. There's apparently bowling, uh, the bowling, center the is by Olympic. my sister, where my sister lives. And she always oh, okay. has these dreams of like becoming a curler because right. it's like the And they're sweeping the ice do. with the broom. Is that what the person is doing? To create friction. Amber, you can go on 538. And there's a tool where you can do a little quiz and find out what oh. what kind of winter Olympic athlete you should be. Wow. I am a summer Olympic athlete. Oh and goodness! Because I, do not I do just cold. need to just get off the couch once yeah. in a while. <laughs> I, I got luge, which I'm pretty excited about. I'd probably get like yeah. cross country or, or skiing, which ski jump because those are oh. all these little guys, you know. <laughs> Oh, you have to put in your height and weight and everything? You got yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. Very but, scientific. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did it for right. summer and I got swimmer, so it's pretty mm-hmm. accurate. All right. Well, mm-hmm. maybe, like, check it out. What you got? Anyway, let's check out a new study by Josh Cowan and colleagues that examines how parental school preferences play out in New Orleans. Like, this is a cool study. Just saw it. It's it's under that little AFP thing where like, has it mm-hmm. been released yet? Um, totally unique in that we get a sense of how preferences play out comparatively for traditional public charter and private schools since new orleans portfolio system is home to all three types a little just reminder uh the rsd implemented a centralized school lottery and common enrollment application this is the one app thing that a lot of these uh districts use starting in 2012 2013 allows families to rank up to eight different schools the application is used to place students in both public and voucher schools since it includes all RSD schools, Orleans Parish open enrollment schools, and again, voucher schools, so the ones that are participating, of course. Uh, recall that in 2008, Louisiana chose New Orleans to be the first site of its citywide voucher program before it got expanded statewide. The program currently serves close to 3,000 students in Orleans Parish, and roughly 50 private schools participate in New Orleans and dozens more in neighboring Jefferson Parish. Okay. Uh, Reminder that those voucher kids have to take a test, right? So that's why we have some state test data on those kids. All right. A little bit about the sample before I get in the findings. It included all students who applied for this 2013-2014 enrollment at a NOLA charter, traditional or voucher school. That was about 37,000 students in grades K through 12. Then they started winnowing down. Okay. Then they excluded the students who listed their current school as their only choice. Then they took out the uh, families who ranked only private schools or only public schools because they wanted to specifically look at those who had a mixture of both private and public schools among their preferences. Those who are maybe like sector agnostic. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, it left them with about 900 applications or 11% of the total. Mm-hmm. Huh. Of this group, 70% are identified as attempting to exit a school with a D or F grade. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Depending on the model, because there are a bunch of models, uh, the analysis controls for things like distance to the school, the school's report card, percent white, whether the school building is new, and the number of suspensions, which is a proxy for school climate, among a bunch of other variables. 
Key findings. Number one, among parents considering both public and private schools, private schools are clearly preferred. Mm -hmm. Specifically, among all students, a private school is over seven times more likely to be ranked than a public school and over 31 times more likely to be the student's first choice. Wow. Wow. Parents are also willing to travel farther for private schools, Mm -hmm. all else equal. Overall, parents demonstrate a strong preference for schools near their homes, Mm -hmm. not surprising, and schools with higher test scores. For example, an additional mile to school reduces the likelihood of ranking by roughly 30%. Mm-hmm. Then they look this thing, they look at different school type and grade levels, and they find a bunch of more little nuances. So in kindergarten, all types of private schools are preferred, with families of those kids approximately 13 times more likely to rank a Catholic school than a charter school. Mm-hmm. In grades 1 through 8, Catholic and Protestant schools are preferred to charter schools. Hmm. And then interestingly, across all grade levels, traditional public schools, these are the ones that remained under the school district's control mm-hmm. when because bef- they had higher performance mm-hmm. pre-Katrina mm-hmm. days. I don't know how many, but not many of them. Mm. But they were preferred over charters too. Right. And a lot of these were magnet schools, I think. Well, nope. They were no? taken out. Right. Oh, they were the not. selective schools okay. were taken out. Um, so analysts say this suggests that parents are willing to hedge their bets by listing schools with a history of strong performance alongside their preferred private choices. And finally, they find that although parents prefer schools with higher achievement, they are willing to accept lower school performance for private schools than other equivalent public options. Hmm. Analysts speculate that they may prefer the private school brand in general, or perhaps since this was interesting, the the private school score was only online. It wasn't on the application. The Mm -hmm. public school scores were on the application. Mm -hmm. They were saying, well, parents obviously can't act on information that they don't have right in front of them. So maybe that was going on. Right. Well, but I would think, plus, you know, some parents really want Catholic schools. Yeah, it's a very religious city in terms of people who are Catholic. That's right. Uh, last little bit, schools with higher levels of students on free and reduced lunch and children with special needs were less likely to be selected. And parents tended not, this, Mike, you find this interesting, parents tended not to be swayed to choose a public school based on sports, arts, or extracurricular activities, at least not if they weren't also accompanied by strong test scores. Interesting. I think wow. we've seen that before, although it's when you ask the kids their preferences that uh, they care a whole lot about the sports and extracurricular. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. also varies by age group, too. Yes, That's indeed. Right. Interesting. You know, right. these, of course, look, these one apps make a ton of sense in terms of uh, making access to schools more equitable and mm-hmm. just easier for parents. But they also provided researchers with great data <laughs> about right. how this is all playing out. And yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, where else cool. could we do this, right? Like a study like that. I was like super jazzed yeah. when I saw it. Well, there's a handful the of other there. places mm-hmm. now with one with apps. One, but, but not with the private well, school Well, right, vouchers. with the private yeah. schools too. That's interesting. And this, I mean, I got to get my head around so much interest in the private schools, but it's, it's not like yeah. the Catholic school or sector is, is or, or mm-hmm. growing in New Orleans, as far as I know. Right. I mean, I don't quite get it. I guess there's just yeah. limited spots and right. seats but still. I think and, that your point mm-hmm. is valid, Alyssa, you know, mm-hmm. just the history of Catholicism in, in the city, um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's a very, you know, there's still parishes. I also would very much be interested to know breakdown by parent race due to kind of the broader mm-hmm. history around yeah. school choice mm-hmm. in the South specifically. Right. Well, there wasn't too much. I mean, the mm-hmm. socio-demographics are largely similar yeah. across the, the sample that they were looking at. So they made the point where they saw this difference with free and reduced lunch, but not with race, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. Interesting. So, yeah. 
All right. Hey, cool. very cool. Good stuff, Amber. <laughs> I like Thank it. You. Josh Cowan, he's a friend of Fordham. So happy to see this study too. So. I, we'll, we'll give you, uh, I think you're at least on the podium for that one. Uh, <laughs> the podium? But, but you've got a chance next week to go for gold. <laughs> oh, one last man. chance. Come All on. All right. Is that what a bronze? All right. <laughs> I'll give it a silver. But right. <laughs> 5.8 out of six yeah. on the figure skating scale. All right. Good deal. I'll All take right. it. All right. That's all the time we got for this week. Till next week. I'm Alyssa Schwain. And I'm Mike Petrillo the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.